welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. This is Jira Taylor. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm really excited to be coming at you live from the Treehouse Flow State headquarters on the Sunshine Coast of Australia. Today, this interview uh, is an interview with Mark Angelo Coppola, who's the founder of the Superhero Academy and the co-founder of the Valhalla Movement, which is an amazing intentional permaculture community, 66 acres in Quebec, uh, in Montreal, Quebec, in Canada. Uh, I've just returned from an amazing trip uh, to Costa Rica, where I spent five days in the jungle learning and exploring uh, consciousness, uh, inner growth, and how we can make maximum contribution to the planet through entrepreneurship and business. This retreat was actually organized by Mark and his team. So it was a great pleasure to bring Mark on the show and to explore some of his life experiences that had led to him putting on this 150-person retreat in the jungle with all these superheroes and Charles Eisenstein and just like epic, epic vibes. And um, to explore what freedom culture means to him. Freedom culture is a concept that he has come up with, which is all about aligning your life so that you're living in your highest excitement, but also making a maximum contribution to the planet. If you are new to the show, then please go to flowstate.co to check out what we're all about. And if you go to flowstate.co forward slash get in flow, then you're going to get a really awesome four-step system that will help you live in the flow of life and shift out of anxiety or distraction into peak states on demand. So without further ado, guys, I bring to you this uh, really awesome flow conversation with Mark Angelo Coppola of Superhero Academy. Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. I'm here with Mark Angelo Coppola. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So as many of the listeners of the show will know, I've uh, recently returned, or both of us have recently returned from an epic quest, a rite of passage, a true hero's journey uh, through permaculture farms and jungles across, uh, across Costa Rica from uh, permaculture farms to uh, magical festival experiences. And the whole <laughs> thing was put on by you and your team. Um, so just a very brief introduction before I, before I allow you to dive in and tell us more. So Mark is the co-founder of the Valhalla Movement, uh, which is a 66-acre permaculture farm and intentional community just outside Montreal. He's also the founder of the Superhero Academy, uh, which was really uh, hosting this amazing Costa Rica experience I was just on, um, full of uh, game-changing, world-changing entrepreneurs who are all exploring this concept of freedom culture. And Mark and his team helps people uh, expand their visions. So uh, welcome, man. Um, first of all, how was that experience for you, bro? <laughs> um, yeah, it was, uh, it was amazing, obviously. I mean, if I have to sum it up, it was, it was quite the magical journey. Um, and, and it was definitely the biggest ever event that I had ever thrown. I mean, we had done some pilot events and tested the waters with a 35-person kind of hand selected crew of, of what I would call philanthropists. So entrepreneurs who are dedicated to taking on the world's biggest challenges um, and recognizing that the ROI of return on investment and the ROI of ripple of impact can kind of meet up. And, um, and so this time around, I was like, oh, we have to do this again. And we have to host it at, a, at an eco village. And, and then we have to bring everybody to Envision Festival. And um, legitimately, our maximum number of people was supposed to be 75. We ended up being like 115, which was incredible. I mean, it was just wild to go through this entire journey uh, with 115 um, game changers and just 
you know, literally some of the most badass men and women and superheroes that I can think of. And uh, yeah, it was just an amazing experience. I had a, a great time. It was logistically, we, we, we took on some many, many challenges going all the way to Punta Mona, which is on the east, southeast coast of the country. And then literally like private flying everybody to the southwest side of the country. It was, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm amazed that it all went down. We had our own stage. We had like so many moving pieces. Um, and I'm just so uh, grateful that all of that happened and, and that the magic of it all really comes from from the people who attend and who show up. And, and mm. you know, it wasn't about who's who. It wasn't about what jobs we had. It wasn't a conference. It wasn't, you know, who was on stage. It was really just for me, it felt like authentic connections. It was a real flow, um, you know, pun intended type of, of event. That's really the way it's, it's kind of structured. So. Awesome, man. Yeah. I, and I'd just like to honor you for, for, for the way you, the way you held it down, man. Like I've run 12 person retreats, 12, <laughs> <laughs> which just seems so uh, cosmic, uh, 12 person retreats that have like wiped me out for like yeah. 10 days afterwards and you're holding it down for 115 people in two separate um, places. We would, we, that was at one stage when we were moving from the day we moved from the permaculture farm to Envision Festival, it was all about like, we, we got to meet deadlines. We got, we got buses waiting, we got planes waiting and the fucking heavens <laughs> opened that morning and we got like a people with all their baggage like waiting on the shores of this island that you can only access by boat and it was just like carnage and i remember being on this boat in really rough seas trying to trying to like yeah. get to uh, get to where the buses were and this boat was just full of awesome people who couldn't possibly be put into a negative state of mind by events like this that was that was <laughs> the thing about that was the, that was a magic one of the magical things about this whole event i've never been around so many people who've got the type of growth mindsets where everything is just immediately translated into a an amazing opportunity or some kind of like absolutely experience. so everyone on this yeah. boat we are all drenched to our underpants right and like <laughs> everyone's got laptop equipment and every everyone's in the back of their mind is thinking oh my god is, is my is my four thousand dollar laptop going to get ruined here um, but everyone was just thriving and we were singing songs and we were just like doing Wim Hof breathing on the boat and it was just <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy That's amazing. you pulled it off brother we did yeah we did it and, and, and it you know it's not to say it went off without a hitch but it was definitely uh, you know at, for, given the given the fact that this was my first ever like full-on event um you know i think the smiles and the feedback that we got from everybody was just incredible i mean you know here and there a couple of criticisms for sure but small little pieces but but honestly, I mean, I think everyone walked away extremely happy, extremely transformed. I was so blown away by the response uh, of everybody. I was blown away by the stage. I was blown away by the like, you know, people like Charles Eisenstein, you know, you know, just kind of dropping wisdom bombs upon all of us. I mean, it was it was such a crazy experience. It was everything from, you know, yoga and and you know, song and dance and all kinds of like cacao ceremonies, all the way to like really great information for business and, and entrepreneurship. And so just the dynamic range of this kind of event um, is very different than most events I've ever been to. And, and that was the point, right? Like the goal was to create something that was different. My goal wasn't to make the next um, traffic and conversion. My, my goal is not to make the next <laughs> next mastermind filled with uh, marketers. The goal was to make something different. Uh, and that really embodied um, what I would consider to be the new story. So 
the new story for sure. And that's definitely what, something that's going to come up in this conversation because one of the things that what you're building and what I'm building over here with Flow State uh, has very much in common is this connecting the dots between inner change and global change. Um, yeah. And I like to, I, I, I see, I use the metaphor of flow as the thing that connects it all because when we get into our individual flow state, it helps us be part of movements and cultures and organizations and businesses that flow which help us contribute to systems that, that flow. And the cool thing about yeah. this event and everything that you're building is that it really was woven together. As you said, we, we, there was some deep inner work going on, you know, wh whether this was in like a sacred ceremonial setting or whether this was people like dropping into meditation and mindfulness and breath work for the first time or just conversations around the fire where people were just having their hearts and minds blown open, right? And then there was totally. this cultural piece where we were part of a tribe. And this, it was a hundred percent the feeling of being part of a tribe. It was like this, this like ancestral remembrance in the DNA of 115 people was just like awakened by being surrounded yeah. by people with common purpose and vision. And then there was this like the specter of fuck. We this is actually how global change happens by coming together and connecting the dots between like inner change and collective gatherings and then bring into the to the table like humongous things like climate change and what's going on with decentralization and bringing in Charles to, to drop wisdom bombs on how we can actually create this new story and so I, I just thought mm -hmm. that was that was such a beautiful thing if there's anyone listening out there who kind of feels lost when it comes to connecting the dots between their own personal transformation and how that correlates to making an impact on the world well, this is the stuff that we're talking about. This is what Mark um, really specializes on in. And uh, let's dive into it, brother. So how did this all start for you? Like what, what was like some of the like, pivotal moments in your life that, manif that ended up in you taking this team of superheroes to the jungle in Costa Rica? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's an enormous amount of pivotal moments that happened one after the other. And, and I can't, I, I don't want to say it's any one moment, but there's no doubt about the fact that um, in 2012, I walked out into the middle of a GMO corn and soil field, which I did not own, but I knew it was for sale. And I basically walked out into the field for the sake that I had for the previous year had watched a documentary a week, every single week for 52 weeks straight. And needless to say, it was a pretty depressing year. Needless to say that like when you watch these documentaries, what you start to recognize is that in every single one of these cases, I was in this position where, um, it felt like just time and time and time again, we were in this position of, um, of well, how do, we, how do we deal with the negative story that is going on? The 90% of time that documentaries will spend talking about a problem, whether that be about vanishing of the bees, whether that be about um, the ice caps melting, whether that be about you know, GMOs, whether it be about any one of the challenges that these documentaries might cover, I started to recognize this pattern that they were always focusing on the problem, right? They were, they were constantly like kind of spending this time saying we have an issue and then sounding the alarm and, and spending very little time giving us real solutions. And so the entire time it, it enraged me, it made me feel like I would point a finger and be like, it's the government's fault. It's, it's big pharma's fault. It's the educational system's fault. And every single time I was pointing this finger, I recognized there were three pointing back at me, right? I recognized that every single time that I would blame the government that I really had to kind of step up and recognize that if I wasn't willing to do something about it, then what right, what right did I really have to complain? What good did protesting or being angry really achieve? 
And so when I walked out into the middle of this GMO corn and soya field, what I basically declared was I was going to build the school I wish I could have gone to, both physically and digitally, and the community I wish I could have grew up in. Because I, you know, I grew up a very privileged life, you know, right outside of Montreal, which is where I still live, which is where the Vala movement and this kind of eco-village and intentional community that we're building is. And at the exact same time, what I recognized is that I didn't know my neighbors. At the exact same time, I went to a school where I was learning an enormous amount, all of which was theory, but I didn't really learn about what really mattered. I wasn't really learning about things like, you know, I started in, in university, for example, I was in finance and accounting. And yet, what I learned through, you know, watching Zeitgeist Addendum, which is this amazing documentary, I learned where money came from. And then I went to school and I was like, hey, guys, how many people know where money actually comes from? Like, how many people know where how money is printed, how it, how it comes into existence and what that looks like? And yet here we were like hundreds and hundreds of students studying finance and accounting and nobody can answer the question. And I was like, well, what the hell is going on? Like, what is actually happening in our world where we're building, we're living in this system where there's more debt than there is money. We're playing this giant game of musical chairs. And we're headed towards this massive disaster, whether it be climate change related or whatever, whatever you want, that all these problems are stacking up and, it, and they all seem to be relating to the idea that we are in this, this endless growth paradigm. It seems that, and I don't want to say it's capitalism or communism, those are all isms, right? They're all based on monetarism. They're all based on the same system of fundamental economics that just do not make sense. And so... As I walked out into that field and I planted a tree and I declared that thing that that I would build this school and I would build this community, I think it was the smartest thing I ever did was walk out there and 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 not know the solution. Not necessarily I've never planted anything in my life. I'd never built an eco village. I never, you know, installed a solar panel. I knew nothing about earthships or permaculture or any of this stuff. But what I knew is that I had to be a part of the solution, that I had to be willing enough to lead, to participate in creating this this thing and that and and that if the education system was going to turn around if if my life was going to turn around if the community around me was going to turn around that I had to be a part of it. And so the smartest thing I ever did was plant that tree, but the second smartest thing I ever did was go out there and and bust out what I believe to be the world's most powerful tool, right? I busted out my phone and I took a picture and I started telling the story of this of what I was doing, right? Or what I at least was attempting to do. And so over the last six years, basically, I've been building community. We, we started this organic farm. I mean, it, it's 66 acres. It, we, we literally grew a movement online. We reached millions, if not hundreds of millions of people at this point. Uh, we, we ended up building Superhero Academy because, you know, people from all over the globe, whether they be in Australia or New Zealand or Thailand, were asking, hey, how do I build this in my backyard? Like, how do I participate in a community like this? How do I build a school I wish I could have gone to? And so we just showed people the steps and, and not from a position of like, we know better, but more so from a position of like, Hey, here's the journey that we're going through. Here's my story. Here's our story as a community. And here's a trail of breadcrumbs of the things that we've learned. Here's the mistakes that we've made. Here's the, the, the challenges that we face. And here's the successes that we've had. And, and here's what we you know, want to share with you. Here's the resources and an open source format that enables us to empower people like you to do the same. And so. I believe that, you know, Valhalla is the physical embodiment of those locations happening. It's building that 150-person tribe based on kind of Dunbar's number, which is, you know, a study that says that at about 150 people big, um, tribes, kind of Native American tribes, would start to break down. They would, they would start to fraction and turn into two tribes 
you know, of 150 people or whatever it is, because the trust that any one person could could put out into the world or, or the number of people that they were able to kind of trust at any one moment was roughly a number of about 150 people big. And so I kind of had this idea of saying like, well, wait a second, I'm, if I'm building this physical community in Montreal and we're looking to build 150 people, what would it look like to build a mastermind to invite 150 people from all over the globe who are, are kind of what I would consider to be more of an, a, a, a global village, right? A global tribe of people with various different skill sets, whether they be coaches or yoga practitioners or nutritionists, whether they be yogis or, um, or crypto geniuses. Like, how do we invite these people to actually come together and build solutions that need to, fu- need to start happening? right? That, that this event would be very solution oriented. It would be very much embodying the solutions that I believe need to be, you know, brought to the table, whether that be, you know, sustainable living, grow, you know, eating the food that is grown, uh, compost toilets, like, I mean, all literally living that narrative uh, and that new paradigm and seeing what it would look like to collaborate on a mass scale. And so, yeah, that's what this event was. I mean, you know, we, we invited, our goal was to get 75 people to show up um that was like our top limit that was literally supposed to be our cap and then every time like we would we would just get another person every single time it's like what about this person what about that person and like charles eisenstein wants to come and this person wants to come and this crypto millionaire wants to show up and it's like shit okay damn we have to like we have to open the doors we have to make this happen and so we did we we invited these people out to costa rica to live in community for seven days we we told them nothing about the agenda we gave no people any list of who was coming. And we just said, trust us. Like, do you believe in us? Do you believe that we've curated a very powerful event with amazing people who are like-minded and like-hearted, who um, are real badasses and who are, you know, not only powerful on an entrepreneurial scale, but are also very much looking to be better than the person they were yesterday. And, um, you know, I would call those people superheroes. And the only thing that I guess we, we kind of communicated is that we were rallying around this collective flag. We were rallying around the idea of freedom culture, which is to empower and encourage all individuals to spread their unique gifts to the world. You know, I really believe that when I walked out into the middle of that GMO cornfield and the reason why this movement and, and Severe Academy and all these things started speaking to people and reached hundreds of thousands, not but like I said, millions of people online is because we were speaking to the freedom uh, culture that people were looking to embody in themselves right? People are looking to share their gifts and they're looking to be empowered in doing such. Um, and I think that's something we can all rally around. That's a cause that we can all believe in. And, you know, we can define these words and, and these ideas in different ways. And, and many of us have different ways of going about it. Um, but this was just kind of a giant sandbox and experiment in doing that. It sure was, man. And uh, in terms of sharing our unique gifts with the world, everywhere I looked when I was at Envision, just like looking over there, looking over there, there was just like a u- unique sharing of gifts. There was a, there was a lot of sharing of gifts going on. <laughs> so I think yeah, I'll pick that one off, brother. Um, cool. <laughs> so there's a, a lot of things to 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 pick out um, from that man. And and first of all, just let me honor you once again for like seeing a problem and diving straight into the solution space. I find that this is this is an important thing. We've got to um, encourage in our brothers and sisters all around the world because it's too easy to get sucked into the problem. And especially, yeah. especially with um, virality of negative stories or the way that our, our brain has this negativity bias and we sort of like tilt into like the awfulness of industrial farming or whatever it might be. 
and it can negate our capacity to optimize for the solution space. So yeah. what, how, how exactly did you make this shift from, um, like what was the internal processes to make this shift from, okay, I've been watching all these documentaries, my mind's been blind, blown open by looking under the, behind the veils, by watching things like Zeitgeist, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes, um, to actually like saying, huh, not only can I do something about it, um, but I'm, I'm going to do something about it like right away. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think that I just had this massive epiphany moment where all of a sudden there was this one moment where I was like, you know what? I can do this. And, and what I think really happened was that I was suffering from by watching these documentaries. And now, by the way, it's been almost eight years that I've been watching a documentary a week every single week. And, and I've expanded beyond documentaries at this point to like Ted talks and audio books and, and, and regular, you know, regular books and, and, you know, all kinds of different pieces of content at this point um, to just continuously expand on this journey. What I would say is that it just, it literally depressed me to do nothing. I felt so helpless. I felt so small. And I just started hearing like, like this one statistic that actually Amanda Joy Ravenhill um, who was at our mastermind? She's a direct, you know executive director of the Buckminster Fuller Institute. Um, you know what's interesting about Buckminster Fuller is is this mentality that if we're going to change the old paradigm, we cannot do it by trying to to just play within the systems and the rules of the old paradigm. We have to actually make a new paradigm that makes the existing paradigm obsolete. Right to paraphrase a, Buck, a Buckminster Fuller quote. And one of the things that Amanda had ended up pointing out a few years ago uh, when we were at this event together is she said, you know, she was talking about Project Drawdown and she was talking about basically the problem of climate change. And she pointed out that for every 80 or for, for every one article on the solution for climate change that is posted and published online, there are 80 articles that talk about the problem. Right? There, there are 80 pieces of content that talk about the problem of climate change for every one article or one piece of content that talks about the solution. And so what is the likelihood that we get to the solution, right? What is the likelihood that we get to anywhere where we're gonna actually solve these problems unless we start functioning to, to balance that solution? And so, you know, when I went to Occupy Wall Street, which was a very, you know, powerful and, and engaging moment, and that happened right before I ended up starting Bahala, when I, when I started documenting this process, when I watched the Arab Spring and I, you know, you know, Time Magazine dedicated year uh, 2011 as the year of the protester and whatever it was. So it's like what I started to realize is that we didn't need another protest. We didn't need another another, you know, giant fuck you to the system. What we needed was was somebody to step up and say, like, this is a solution. This is something we can get behind. This is something that we can do. This is something that's going to make you feel empowered and not just angry. This is something that's going to make me step up and feel like, wow, uh, there is hope. There is something to look forward to. We aren't just heading towards this brick wall. We aren't just going to crash and burn and die. And there is something to potentially strive towards and be hopeful about, right? Because you can learn about, you know, by 2048, there will be more plastic in the ocean than fish. You can learn that 50% of the world lives off less than $2 a day. You can learn a statistic about how many kids are dying all over the globe from malnutrition and, and not having enough food. Right? We can learn about the obesity problems in North America or literally globally. We can learn about cancer or diabetes or all these different things. So it's worth nothing unless we are willing to step up and be a part of the solution. And so I just I really felt like it was it was a choice between literally committing suicide 
and I don't say that lightly and I don't say that to, to be dramatic, but literally just being in this position where I do not know that I would have, I would have been able to carry forward much longer had I not been able to find something that brought me a sense of empowerment and hope. And, you know, I, I started asking myself this question that started changing my life and all my small little decisions, because I really believe that movements happen based on small decisions that are compounding and building momentum on a case-by-case basis, right? And, and, and I started asking myself this question, which is, what would Batman do? <laughs> and the reason I asked myself that question is because when I was a kid and I was growing up, people would ask me, like, what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? And my answer was always Batman. My answer was always like, I want to be a superhero. I want to be James Bond. I want to be Batman. I want to be whatever. Like, I want to be able to change the world and, and, and live this reality where I'm helping as many people as possible. And I think as I grew up and as I went, ended up in finance and accounting and then eventually switched to the marketing entrepreneurship, as I became an entrepreneur, I started to recognize that I had kind of lost touch with my real purpose, which is being like Batman. And so when I started asking myself that question, I think the first thing that I realized eventually and that I realize now is forget even what Batman would do. What would Bruce Wayne do? Because the real hero, right? Batman is the hero that we consider him to be, right? Like we call Batman a hero, but Batman himself doesn't call himself a hero. Batman himself is actually Bruce Wayne. Batman is a, is a leader who, without knowing exactly what it would take to change the reality of the, of the existing paradigm, decided that he was going to stand for what he believed in, stand for his values, stand for his collective flag. And so for me, you know, sustainability, com- uh, community, knowledge, and action, those were, those were the values that were coming up for me. Freedom culture was a value that was coming up for me. You know, uh, wisdom, impact, adventure, these are values that are coming up for me. And so instead of thinking, well, wait a second, I need to be Elon Musk to make a difference. It's like, no, Elon Musk is just a regular person. And so was Gandhi. And so is Oprah. And so is Ellen DeGeneres. And so is Barack Obama. So is anybody who's ever changed the world. They were all regular people. And we consider them to be heroes based on what they've done and the values that they uphold. And so, you know, I decided to be not Batman, but I decided, decided to be Marcangelo. You know, and I started to ask myself, like, what would I do? Right. If money was no object, which it isn't, if if resistance, if I could do anything in the world, what would I create? And my answer was build a school, build a community. And and I think that's what inspired. Cool. Thank you so much. So just for, for those listening, we're talking about the, the concept of self-awareness, self-knowledge, every single philosopher, spiritual teacher, wise grandfather figure and mother figure um, in gen, you know, every generation across every continent. Um, if you ask them what the key to all of this is, they'll probably talk to you about some sort of derivative of the concept of self-knowledge. Know thyself, yeah. Aristotle said. Yeah. And what Mark is talking to here is he's, he's mentioned the word values. Like what, um, and I'm super interested in how you, like because often va- values, like, like many words in our culture, get kind of like cliched and they lose their power. Um, yeah. But actually, like when you take the time and use your consciousness in a way that allows you to dig to the root of it, what we're talking about here is values are kind of like what, what, what's, what's your unique flavor in life or what's, what's something very particular to you when you dig below the conditioning and the programming and the labels? Yeah. Like what is it that feels uh, congruent like in your, in your heart, mind and soul? that that could be Absolutely. a rationale for continuing to draw breath on earth. And um, so how did you actually go 
along that process of drawing those things uh, to, 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 to the light of day? Yeah. Um, for me, what I, I mean, look, my, my background is in storytelling and marketing. That's the thing that I definitely understood the most. And, and those of you who are listening to this, you might, you might see some of that, you know, shine through in my ability to express myself. And it's because, to be honest, I don't know that for, you know, over the last six years, I think the story has to some degree evolved. It's gotten better. It's gotten stronger. It's gotten more consistent. It's gotten a deeper and deeper understanding of what sustainability means, right? Like when I first started, for example, Mm -hmm. the four values that I was able to identify were sustainability, community, knowledge, and action. Mm -hmm. And just to, just to give you an idea of like how my values have shifted or my understanding of those words and those values have shifted is originally when, when I thought about the word sustainability, I thought about solar panels and permaculture and organic farms and all that kind of stuff. And that's why I decided to walk out in the middle of a farm and do this, right? Like to start this eco village and do this stuff. What I've started to understand about what the word sustainability actually means at this point, at least from my perspective, is that sustainability means long-term thinking. It's about making decisions that instead of thinking about what's going to happen next week or tomorrow, or even just later today, what if I started making decisions about 25 years down the road? What if I started planting trees in which the shade I will never sit in? What if I started like making decisions that would empower me in five years time as an entrepreneur? And I think that's what is benefiting me today is that by adopting a mindset, by realizing that permaculture, for example, is a philosophy and it is a philosophy that doesn't just apply to plants, but it applies to a a way of life. It applies to a a way that starts with first observation, for example, right? Instead of showing up and just planting rows and making uniform farms, it's like, well, let's observe where the water is flowing naturally on a property. Let's observe what climate is there. Let's observe where the prevailing winds are. Let's observe what naturally wants to grow here. Let's observe what the soil conditions might be and what plants are, are springing up, which tells us what kind of microbiology or, um, or, or bacteria is in the soil, right? Mm-hmm. And so by observing these different forces, we were able to, I was able to recognize and learn deeper and deeper and deeper about what community meant, about what sustainability meant, about what even knowledge and action meant. And, and now I upgrade the word knowledge and action to be wisdom because I recognize that you know, just because you knew better doesn't mean you would do better, right? Because I used to think, well, if the world would know better, they would do better. But then I, I as and, and, and I could prove that that's not true, right? Like I could prove that, for example, how many people know what it takes to get six pack apps, right? Like we all know how many people want them, right? Like if you're listening to this, chances are you want six, a six pack and you might already have it and great on you if you do, but if you don't, why don't you? Is it because you don't know that what it takes to do it? Do you not realize that if like you ate more kale and did more sit-ups and did it every day that you would have a six-pack? To some degree, that's true. I mean, is there is there more efficient ways of getting six-pack? Absolutely, and that's not what I'm arguing. What I'm trying to say is that just because we knew better doesn't mean we would actually do better. And so only when knowledge meets action and we actually put it into action and we do those sit-ups every day, for example, do we get the result over time that we want and that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And so that to me is what real wisdom is. So I, I believe that my values personally and my journey has changed over time. And, and I think a lot of people see me as, as like, wow, Mark, how are you so clear in what you're doing? And, and I think the only difference is instead of focusing on what I'm going to be doing tomorrow, I focus on like, what's the long-term implication of what I'm creating now, right? Like I could tell you where this mastermind is going to end up. I could tell you a lot of the different steps of where this is going well before the first mastermind ever took place. And it's not to say that this last mastermind and every mastermind that we host from there on, whether they be in Costa Rica or Montreal or whatever it is, 
doesn't inform me or, or make me course correct. But what it tells me is that, you know, there's no one way to sail from California to Australia, mm-hmm. right? But there is tools that can enable you, right? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you set sail with a GPS or a compass, or, you know, if you understand how, the, how to work the sails, if you understand how to navigate using a map, if you understand what it takes to steer a ship, well, then the likelihood that you get there is higher than if you don't know how to do it. But the entire journey along the way, you are course correcting. You're correcting for the winds and the, and the ocean conditions that you cannot control. And so I think for me, my, my blend of values mixed with what I would consider to be my own stoic philosophy, something that I take from you know, many great people before me, Marcus Aurelius and, and some ama- you know, famous stoics, is that I, instead of focusing on what I couldn't control, instead of focusing on the things that I don't control, like world government and, and, crypt- and currencies and, and whatever else is out there the, on the globe, I focused on what I could control. And what I could control is what I do with my time. I, what I could control is the, the, what I tell people about. I, what I could control is I can, I can talk about, I can be one of the 80 articles that talks about the problem, or I can be one of the one articles that talks about the solution. That I can control. And by doing that, I think I've, I've moved into a position where my own hope, my own empowerment, and my own ability to make a living from this um, has, has grown. And, and well, yeah. you know, I think that the tribe of people following has, has followed. Awesome, man. Yeah, it's something that just came up for me. I've been sort of ruminating on this on this concept of hope versus despair. And there's a there's a lot of despair out there. You know, there's a there's a lot mm-hmm. of despair around uh, where we're headed as a species. There's a lot of talk about, well, this is just it. We're, we're, this is just we're 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 not going to survive this. Like the human beings is a uh, is a species that is not built to survive for the long term, right? Um, yeah. And then there's, you know, obviously just the stuff that's more in our face, like you said, plastics in the ocean, um, obscene wealth disparity, um, children in the United States of America who are still below the poverty line. Um, and and it's there's a lot of despair out there for good reason. Yeah. But yet, but yet there's there's like a non-functionality to the despair and, and and something i was thinking about was like whether or not our level of hope versus despair uh, is correlated to the extent to which we're involved in the solution space right so what do you think about that like i, I think like there's a i was having this debate with someone online the other day about and he was like taking this hard line of basically we're fucked and i was taking this this other line of like maybe we're fucked but why not go down like in love and, and, and with action and do something about it. And, and, I, and I, I fundamentally felt like this person's despair was rooted in the sense that he, there was like this impotence um, because he was, just, he was just like drowning in the, in the problem. And he didn't have yeah. like, he didn't have like a, a, a way to connect his life with, with, with a solution. What, what do you think about all of that? So, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that there is a certain challenge that comes with people not having enough exposure to the solutions. And what I'll say is that the average person is likely experiencing a lack of community in which these solutions are able to play out uh, around them, right? I think that people do not have a tribe that they can call upon to feel like they, they are heard or understood or that other people in their area or in their in their in their kind of space in the similar space, whether they be entrepreneurs or they're on the same so- soccer or football team or whatever it is, 
I mean, I think people are lacking that sense of community in which they can feel like their challenges are being heard. And so, I mean, there's no doubt about the fact that people are going to experience you know, despair. I mean, if there's 80 articles talking about a problem and one article talking about the solution, there's no doubt about the fact that overwhelmingly that's what we're going to experience. And when you turn on the news, I mean, you only see the news of the plane that didn't land, right? We never, we never write the story about the plane that did. We never write the story about the things that work or operate like they're supposed to. So very rarely are we hearing the actual solutions being um, championed because they're less newsworthy. They get less clicks. They they get less engagement in some way, shape, or form. And I really believe that that's, to some degree, it's our fault, right? Like we need to be considering that every single time that we are clicking on a story that, that embodies this problem, that we are actually participating in the challenge in and of itself. Like we should be looking to champion the, the things that do bring those solutions about. We should be commenting and liking and voting with our attention Every time we see the solutions being championed, we should recognize that instead of sharing just, you know, the time that Donald Trump did something horrific or the time that whatever politician, wherever they are in the world, we should instead of being the type of people to sound the alarm or being like, ah, of course, the politician did that thing that was that was so shitty. What if we spent more time actually proliferating that solution? What if we spent more time actually helping the solutions gain the attention that they need and you know there's there's way too many events that are held at you know um hilton hotels there's so many things that are held in spaces that don't necessarily embody those solutions and so how do we actually embody those solutions on a day-to-day basis how do we actually host events you know retreats whatever it is at places that deserve our attention how do we build up these eco villages how do we make the small decisions every day that lead us to making those changes happen on a larger scale, because I really believe that those small decisions matter. And don't get me wrong. Do we need a giant changing of the guard? Do we need something that's going to disrupt the entire banking system? Do we need things that are going to disrupt the traditional education system and big pharma and all that kind of stuff? Absolutely we do. And I think we're seeing that emerge. I think naturally the advent of things like crypto uh, cryptocurrencies and blockchain technologies are, are part of that solution. They, they are helping us decentralize more and more and more. We saw a massive movement when it comes to, to social media, and we're seeing this massive movement happen now with cryptocurrencies. I mean, we are seeing the solution starting to manifest itself. Now, you know, are we flooded with cat memes on social media too? Yes, we are. And that's because that's what we're engaging with. We are, we are voting and the average person is voting that that's what's more valuable than the article that talks about how we're going to save the coral, the coral reef, you know what I mean? Like in, in Australia, which is a massive problem. So I think it's just unpopular for people to listen to the problem. I think it, 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 it's, it feels like, you know, depressing and sad and people want to ignore it. They'd rather listen to something more uplifting because they're tired at the end of the day. Right. And they, they don't want to go home and just listen to negative news. They don't necessarily always want to watch the documentary that's going to depress them. Mm. So we need documentaries that won't. Well, this is where we get into the realm of cognitive biases, and um, there's this concept called heuristics. Um, Basically, I have these deep philosophical conversations with people who uh, take the other side of the argument than I do, and and I I take the argument, obviously, that we can do something about what's going on, and also the argument that there's a global awakening happening, and there's an acceleration in terms of uh, the this sort of expansion of awareness that's going yep. on, right? And it's and it can be facilitated um, and proliferated by things like 
uh, blockchain or social media and all sorts of other things that we could talk about. Um, yep. And then you throw into the mix access to things like consciousness expanding tools like psychedelics and the wisdom of mm-hmm. the shamanic traditions coming into mainstream culture. And then you've got this, yeah. like, this whole jambalaya of, for me, uh, um, amazing accelerators of, of awakening, let's call it. But then there's the other side of the of the of the of this um, conversation, which is like, look, Jero. Um, at the end of the day, we're irrational, uh, deeply biased human beings um, with totally. these quirks in our neurobiology that mean that I can know that global industrial farming is 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 terrible. But yet, the bacon and egg sandwich is just so delicious, right? Yeah. Um, Totally. And, and like, and, but, you know, or Jiro, you, you're like speaking a good game here, but, you know, you're catching 20 flights a year um, so that you can do this sort of thing. And it's like, how, how do you sort of like um, wade through yeah. these complexities? How do I, how do I deal with my own, my own cont- contributions to the existential crisis that we're all facing? Mm. And the reality is, honestly, I'm not sure that I've figured it all out. Mm. What I will say is as follows. Here's what I'll say to the person who is kind of the negative Nancy in the room or, or who is playing that devil's advocate. And that's okay. I think it's important that they do. I think it's important that we recognize that it isn't all fancy and, and dandy. And, and, I, and I think it's important that we recognize that things like Burning Man might be massively transformational festivals, but they're also the type of festival that would burn everything to the ground. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't necessarily agree that we should be, we should be always be celebrating and that we should just be living life as if everything is great. It, Cause it's not, it's not really not. But what I will say is that the entire America, for example, as an entire nation was founded through the kind of the civil rights or, and the, and the, and the, the kind of the fight that it took to found America, the, the, the fight between you know, uh, George Washington and, 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 you know, one half of the, of the population and the other half of the population that want to stay with England and, and all these things, that entire movement was founded and created by 1% of people. 1% of people who are living in North America or in America at the time were a part of the creation of the United States of America. Now, can you deny the power that the United States of America and the influence that, that, the U.S. dollar and, and America has had on the world today? No, you can't. And yet, only 1% of people were required to make that entire shift happen, to literally shift and, and have the changing of guard between you know, the old empire and the new empire, right? And that can and will happen again. And so it doesn't require all 7 billion of us to participate in making that change. You know, if tomorrow morning that you know, we remove GMOs off the shelves and we only had organic food on the shelves, that doesn't require 7 billion people to make that decision. It only requires some people to make that decision. And I think it's like, what, 2% of, of the population are farming, right, in North America or, or in the Western world? That's not, that's not a lot. Like, if they start making decision change, changes, that, start, that decision change starts affecting all of us. So if you get a bunch of bankers to start changing how the banking system works, that decision affects all of us. And money is the world's largest religion, right? So... So to recognize that very few people are actually empowered, and this is not to say the Illuminati and, and the Bilderberg group and all those things, like not, it's not to deny that any of those things either. It's not to deny the conspiracy, the conspiratorial side of, of, of power in our world and the dynamics of power. 
But what I will say is that you can be a part of that 1% of people that does make that shift. Because 1% of people who adopt the iPhone then end up you know, championing it and getting, what, how many people have smartphones nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. 10 years ago, the iPhone was barely a thing. Now, I cannot imagine our world without the iPhone. Yeah. 10 years ago, YouTube was just getting a start. Now, I cannot imagine the world without YouTube. So to think that the world isn't changing is just unfair, right? It is constantly changing. There is constantly things that are, that are moving towards the better. And as they become popular and they become sexy and fun and cool and exciting, and as people champion them, we actually can make that kind of stuff happen. So it wasn't very long ago that slavery was a thing. It wasn't very long ago that we had never left our planet and that we sent something up into the, into the atmosphere, you know, literally outside of our atmosphere into space and then landed on the moon. Whether that happened or not, like all of these things are incredible. It's incredible the advances in technology we've, we've had. So I believe that we actually do have an opportunity for change. I really believe that we actually have an opportunity to step into something that we cannot imagine at this very moment. And I believe that those who believe it's possible are actually the ones that can make it happen. And so let's make that happen. Who are you? You know, what side of, of history do you want to be on? Do you want to be a part of the, the people who believe that we are doom and gloom? Great. I mean, there, are been, there have been doomsdayers forever. There has been people who have said that the world is going to end and the sky is falling forever. And it's not to say that it hasn't happened before. 65 million years ago, something wiped out the dinosaurs. And yet humans are still here. The world and the planet still survive. So I really believe that it is quite likely that we become a multiplanetary species. It's quite likely that we end up on Mars. It's quite likely that we end up doing all kinds of amazing stuff. Mm. And is that to say that we should only be striving for Mars and that plan B should be the way that we go? No. I mean, if, if we're able to build a climate on Mars, and, and literally in, build an entirely new ecosystem there, that, that means we also have the technology of doing that exact same thing here. So it is possible. I want to take, like, I want to take this moment to, we're talking about outer space and colonization of, of, of uh, other planets. <laughs> we're talking about like otherworldly things here. Now, I think it's a beautiful moment to ground into the fact that the beginning of Mark's journey was about planting a tree in a geomino forest, which led to him co-founding uh, Valhalla, an intentional community, and a 66-acre permaculture farm. Mm-hmm. Now, part of what I do with Flow State is take CEOs and tech entrepreneurs out into nature to deeply connect with what we are yeah. and where we come from. And I've also got Absolutely. this belief that every single entrepreneur on earth should do a permaculture design course to understand natural systems, to understand and symbiosis and networks and all these sorts of things, right? Now... Totally. I, 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 love the, I love the fact that I want to explore the fact that you've connected these dots in your life. Like on one hand, we were talking about r- ridiculous, like outer edge things like, like crypto mm-hmm. billionaires creating utopia and colonizing new planets and new currencies and all sorts of things. But on the other end of the spectrum, you're, you're involved in a project which involves getting dirt under your fingernails and, and seeing how a yep. vegetable grows. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, this is so important. Can you, can you speak to that importance? Yeah. I mean, I think like, here's what I'll say, right? Like we, you just mentioned, you mentioned cryptocurrencies and out of literally leaving this planet and going to Mars in the same sentence. And what I'll say is that somebody like Elon Musk literally invented a new payment gateway called PayPal and now is working on getting us to Mars. So it is quite possible to do that as an entrepreneur. Here's what I'll say. He's doing that in a very tangible, real way. 
And so I believe going out into nature or getting involved in where your food comes from, like literally every single Saturday I go out to the land when I'm back in Montreal. And even if I'm not back in Montreal, I always go out into nature and get involved in gardening, get involved in where my food comes from, get involved in number one, gratitude for all of those things. Gratitude for recognizing that being a farmer is one of the hardest jobs on the planet, that running a startup farm is probably the hardest business ever to start. And recognizing that it's because of their hard work and many, 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 many people's hard work before us that we are able to do the things that we are you know, so grateful of creating today. And to participate in that gives me a grounding, humbling sense of, of recognizing, wow, whatever I'm taking on on the world of online, you know, I don't know, building and building an online school is peanuts compared to the hard work that it takes to shovel a trench. Like, you know, how long it takes to plant a hundred trees, you know, how much energy it takes to like literally fork your shovel into the ground and, and make and dig a hole and, and make sure that a tree grows. Like to recognize that I planted a fruit tree six years ago and that only this year will it really start bearing fruit. Like that's amazing. That is a massively, you know, mind altering understanding that we just do not have because we live in a world of instant gratification. We live in a world where everything is instant, right? I want to reach somebody, I call them. I want to send somebody a message, I email them or I send them a text message or whatever it is. And so we have this, we have this notion that everything happens fast, right? And so there were, then we think, well, shit, why isn't change happening fast? Why haven't we solved climate change already? Why haven't we figured out the plastics in the ocean problem? And it's because nature takes time, right? For these things to develop for for and uh, for us to even see the negative consequences of the things and the actions that we're taking it takes time right for the just because the you know the world goes up a degree uh, celsius doesn't mean that the polar ice caps are melted tomorrow morning right so we're going to see this compounding effect continuously take place and i don't care what cryptocurrency you're investing in if you don't have food to eat you know what i mean like why when does any of that matter so i don't know what matters more than recognizing that our communities on a very physical scale are incredibly important to us. That where our food comes from is the number one way that you can invest in yourself. That the ultimate healthcare plan is not investing in Obamacare or Trump care or whatever the hell it is. It's recognizing that eating right and, and diet and exercise are going to be a massive factor as to how many years you're going to live or and how healthy and what quality of life you're going to have. Mm-hmm. And so to me, being involved in, in knowing where my food comes from enables me to have real respect for those who are providing it to me in the first place, recognizing that the Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a real thing and that I have to participate in that. And then if I'm not willing to participate in the solution at the lowest of scale, then who the hell am I to pretend that I'm participating in the solutions at the highest of scale? By investing in Bitcoin, you are not, it's not the only way that you participate in, in the solution. And I don't think that there's any one way or wrong way of doing it. I just believe that you should do what you really believe is, is true to you. Yeah. But I think that getting your hands dirty and like literally grinding down into nature, there is nothing more humbling and, and life altering and um, nothing that changes your perspective of what really matters in the world compared to getting out in nature. Absolutely. Like that's, 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 that's really powerful. And I couldn't agree more. And uh, one thing that I'm going to throw into this uh this topic right here is, is, and this is the subject of like really just staying grounded and keeping it real. But a lot of people are like attaching to labels like purpose driven entrepreneur, or I'm an impact driver or whatever it is. I'm a change catalyst. Yeah. Um, and yeah. to me, the most fundamental determinant of whether or not you are any of these things 
is whether or not you show up as a dick or not. Like it's, it's your behavior. You know what I mean? Like, 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 totally. like it's, it's, it's absolutely damaging if you're wearing these labels and going out in the world and saying that I'm this, that, and the other, but you're treating people like shit and yeah. you've got a, you got like, um, a sort of self-loathing pattern going on, for example, then yeah. really there's, you're, you're kind of like proliferating the, kind of like the, the, the harm or the, or the lack of love um, Absolutely. That, that you're feeling within you. Um, so in that sense, like I, I just wanted to bring that to the table because there's a lot of people who feel that there's a risk of people feeling like polarized by um, potentially people who, I had an email from, from a girl who've, from a woman who said, Jiro, I've just read your, I've just watched your recent video and read your email in which you're talking about the new story and, and you're committing to, to helping entrepreneurs who wish to make an impact on the earth. And she said, it's polarizing because um, what about if you don't connect with entrepreneurship and you don't see yourself as a business person, but you just want to live with love and compassion. And I totally felt her, you know, and yeah. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. This, this is the basis of it all is how you show up. Absolutely. I think, I think we over glorify that the solution is led by entrepreneurs. I do believe that entrepreneurs are, are massive part of the solution and mm -hmm. that they are necessary in shifting the culture that is our world. Um, but I really believe that we undervalue. And I think Charles Eisenstein said this is like, who's to say that anything that what you're doing or anyone entrepreneur is doing, whether it be Elon Musk is any less or more valuable than like somebody who's a great mother, right? Like who's to say that being a great mom isn't what led to Elon Musk being amazing in the first place, right? Like being a great mom might not seem like a leadership role and yet it totally is. They're leading to their kids. They're leading to, to the next generation and they're the people who give, who give rise to the next Elon Musk. You know, if it weren't for my parents being amazing role models for me, I don't know that I would be as, potentially informed as I am. I don't know that I would have the opportunity that I have. If I didn't have, you know, some of my schooling and all that kind of stuff paid for by my family, I don't know that I would have come to these same conclusions. And, you know, if I wasn't born in Canada as a white male, I might not have the same, you know, global view that I have today. So recognizing that I, I don't believe that it's just leaders that we need to glorify. I really believe that followers are actually more important from the perspective of, of building movements. Um, I really believe that we, we need to embody a solution in every decision we make from the, what toothpaste we choose in the morning to how long we, you know, leave the water running when we're washing the dishes to, to do we, you know, are we constantly accepting plastic bags every time we go to the grocery store? Like all these little decisions matter and you don't have to be Elon Musk or Oprah to be a game changer. You know what I mean? Like the solution lives in every single one of us and the solution lives in supporting those who you believe are embodying those solutions. We vote with our attention. We vote with our dollar. We vote with our time. And all of us, that is the most democratic thing of all time. We might not all have the same amount of dollars, but we definitely all, all have the same amount of time. We all have 24 hours in a day. Mm. And so we all have the opportunity of essentially spending that time kind of giving attention to the things that we believe in. Mm. And I don't believe that all of those necessarily need to surround being the person who has to plant the tree. I don't think that all of us have to be the permaculturalists tomorrow. But what we could do is maybe like visit a permaculture farm, right? Mm -hmm. All the people who came to the mastermind, most of them have nothing to do with permaculture. Yet, every one of them actually supported a permaculture farm because they showed up to an event that in and of itself, the resources went to that farm. And mm -hmm. they, 
they contributed to that farm, not necessarily by planting the tree, but by pulling out the cell phone and like tagging Pudimona in it, for example, tagging the farm. So recognizing that you can embody that solution every single time. And I think more than, more than that, I would say that most people are like, well, how do I do this? Like, I don't own land. I, don't, I can't do what you did. I can't buy 66 acres like you did. And I'm like, well, you don't need to. You know, like I went out into the middle of, of, the, of the park that, that's right in front of my house and I planted a fruit tree. Guess what? I'm the government and so are you. Nobody stopped me. Did anybody stop me from going out into the middle of my, of my own park, which I don't control. I'm not the person who makes the decisions in the park. And yet I'm not also not the, not the person who makes those decisions. Who should say that I can't plant a fruit tree there? And that fruit tree is still there, right? Like it, it's growing and it's going to grow apples and, and it, will, it will provide shade for children in the future that I might not sit under. So again, you can go out there and find this. There, are, there is land everywhere. There are farmers all over the globe that need your support. There are people and projects that need your support. And I keep hearing about the next cryptocurrency, the next ICO, the next thing. Like we need to unify by making the next thing. I'm like, what are you talking about? This exists. Like the cryptocurrencies exist now. We don't need to make the next cryptocurrency. We need to adopt the ones that exist currently. We need to start participating in the solution and recognizing that we are not all this unique gift and snowflake. Like, yes, we are as individuals, but we don't need to all start our own movement. Hmm. Right? Because yeah. if everyone was trying to be Malcolm X and everyone was trying to be MLK, we would have had no civil rights movement. Yeah. Right? Like, we can't all be Oprah. We can't all be Elon Musk. We have to recognize that somebody needs to play a different role and that those roles matter at all scales hmm. of that equation. So, whether you're a good mom or you're the next Elon Musk, so be it. They're both important. I think they're equally as valuable. And I'm going to like, basically you've, you've come at the concept of uh, inter independence and, in, and connect connectedness, like from, yeah. from, from, a, from a very different angle to the way that I normally deliver it, which is, which is great. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about how another way to frame what you've just described. And there's this prophecy of the Shambhala warrior. I'll put the links on, uh, to the show notes, but it's basically this ancient mm. Tibetan prophecy that talks spoke about this time where where man would just be completely obsessed with with mind made creations and we're teetering on the brink of destruction. And then this yeah. this uh, this class or this this uh, tribe of people would arise um, to do something about it. And the prophecy spoke about these twin weapons, and one was compassion, the ability to understand and open up one's heart um, to the to the problems and pains of others. Right. This yep soft element and then the other was this insight this sharp insight into the radical interdependence of all phenomena and that's exactly what you're talking about here it's like when we understand the interconnectedness of of the world that we're a part of then we can understand instantly that we are co constantly contributing to either problem or solution with every thought with every word with every deed with every dollar with every click at every time it's not because you, you don't use the, the grocery bag or, or the plastic bag at the grocery store that you are a sustainable person. It's recognizing that sustainability is a mindset. It is a lifestyle yes. and it is a choice. It's yes. a choice that you make in the grocery store too, but it is also a choice that you make as a human being. It's recognizing that you can make decisions on a short-term scale or on a long-term scale. And if, the, if you start investing your long-term and everybody's told this, start saving money, start putting money in your retirement fund or whatever it is. And yet we, we ignore it specifically today, specifically millennials. Like we are ignoring that so heavily and that is such a problem. And that is symptomatic of the real challenge. Mm -hmm. The real challenge is shifting the story from that, which is thinking short-term to that, which is thinking long-term. 
that is what sustainability is. Because the second you start making long-term decisions for yourself, recognizing like, wait a second, do I really want to eat this? Or do I maybe want to start making decisions now that empower me later? Do I, do I really need to like go to this party right now? Or maybe I can like recognize that this one decision today to go out and party until 6 a.m. might affect me for the rest of the week and then throw me off my game as to what I'm really trying to create in the world, right? Like it's sacrificing a little bit of the pleasure that we have today for some of the benefits that we can gain tomorrow and recognizing that that's important, right? And, and, and that, you know, we can dwell upon the past. We could dwell upon all the problems. We can point the finger at the future or the past generations and say it's all their fault and it's all capitalism's fault. It's everybody else's fault. Or we can recognize that we need to be a part of that solution. And then none of that really matters unless we're willing to change it. And, and, it's, and it's really comes down to a fundamental shift in consciousness, which and one level is everything's just this linear kind of thing with a start and a finish. And the other one is a circle where everything yep. is looping and everything is regenerating and everything is repeating in cycles. It just continue to go on just like the earth. And, and, and that's when I take a psychedelic. That's what I notice. Right. Like as I take a psychedelic, I see, I see colors spiraling. I see, like, I feel my breath going in and out of me. I start seeing patterns between people. I start recognizing the pattern of that I'm playing out on the grand scale. I start recognizing random funny stereotypes. Like, you know, people from Australia will say mate or people from Canada will say a, like these are things, they're real things and we can laugh at them and we can make fun of people from them. Or we can recognize that there are patterns playing out that we are all a part of. And if those patterns and habits are playing out in, in small ways, and we can recognize that a small shift can, can make those changes better. So, so to somebody who's feeling unempowered, to somebody who, who's watched these documentaries and recognizing that they're feeling alone, the first thing I'll say is focus on two, there's two things that I think will enable you to find this hope and find your tribe. And the first thing is to ask yourself, how can I be 1% better today? The first thing I love to sell, tell people is, how can I be 1% better today in my decision-making? How can I think 1% longer term today than I was yesterday, right? And, and today, meaning in the now, right here and right now, like what can I do right now that makes me focus on being 1% better than I was yesterday? And that over time compounds itself because when you're doing you know, 1% better than I was yesterday, if I gave them 100% yesterday, it means I'm 101% today. But if I'm 1% better compared to yesterday today, then I'm at 100, not 102%, I'm at 100, 1% better than 101% of what I gave the day, you know, yesterday. So over time, that compounds. Over time, there's a hockey stick curve, right? Like when you're starting off in entrepreneurship, the first few months, if not years, are very challenging. But when, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for now 11 years, it's kind of only getting easier and easier for me at this point. It's compoundingly getting easier and easier and easier to make the stuff that I want to happen come to life. And don't get me wrong, being an entrepreneur is the, one of the toughest things on the planet. It's over-glorified and it's like, oh, quit your nine to five and make a paycheck living, working from your pajamas. And it's like, yeah, that's possible. But you know, for, for many moons, you're going to spend 12 <laughs> hours a day, 16 hours a day working on it. Trust me, it's, it's not going to be easy. You know? and, and, and some people are lucky. Some people you know, fall ass backwards into something and it just pops off the first time they put a video on YouTube. And there's others that spend a decade literally posting a video on YouTube every week and go nowhere. And then one day, all of a sudden they make it and break it. And then we treat them like overnight successes. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's so not true. I really believe that the second thing that I need to tell you is do the thing that you love and do it daily, every day, whatever it is that you can identify that you love and that you want to contribute to the world, whatever it is that your superpower or gift is, take that superpower and do it every mm. 
freaking day and recognize that you just need to put one hour a day or one step or 1% more energy into that thing every single day. And over time, you will be empowered to doing such. And over time, all the answers as to what food you should eat, what things you should be doing, what your lifestyle should embody. Should you be doing meditation or yoga all the time? Should your morning routine be like this or like Tim Ferriss's? It, I think that those are all your decisions. I don't think that any one person has figured it out, right? I, like for me, meditation in the morning is not what I need to do. I wake up in the morning and I feel I'm a firecracker. I have tons of energy and I just want to get right to it. And I want to eat the biggest frog first. For other people, if they don't do their meditation and go take their dog on a walk, their day is ruined. And, and I don't think that there's a right version of that or a wrong version of that. It's not because I'm not any worse of a human because I don't do two hours of yoga a day, right? Just because I'm not the Dalai Lama and I don't meditate an hour a day doesn't mean that that's, that that's makes me a worse person than he is. He's doing what's right for him and I'm doing what's right for me and Jiro's doing what's right for him, right? Like we're all doing what is best for each other and, our, and ourselves and recognizing that we can be inspired by others. We can learn from others. We can test and try and improve. But instead of trying to be better than our, than our fellow man or woman, we can recognize that the only person we need to be better of than is the person we were yesterday. So you are the solution. You embody that solution every day. And you can point fingers all the time, or we can recognize that the stoic philosophy that is inside of you can come out, that we can recognize that every time we point a finger, there are three pointing back at us. So that journey of being better than who you were yesterday is the solution. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like wow. you figured it out. It's, it doesn't have to be global. It doesn't have to, you don't have to change everything. You just need to change you. And, and it's not to say you even need to change. You just need to find ways to be more authentically yourself all the time. And that can yes. be authentic expression. That can be telling the people who you love that you love them. That could be being a great mom or that could be being the next Elon Musk. Whatever that looks like to you, we want to enable that to happen. That's what Superhero Academy is about. It's about enabling wow. people's own hero's journey. Not the journey that I believe you should go on. Not the solutions I believe you should embody. The solutions you want to embody and enabling that within yourself. That's what freedom culture is. That's why the mastermind has grown. That's why me and you have connected Jiro. Like that's why this is all, that's why this message is ringing so clear is because freedom culture is what we are looking for. We are all looking for the freedom of being ourselves and we're looking for an environment or a culture in which we can do that. And the reality is if you're not in that right now, go and find a community, go and find the people who are part of it. And, and that's what I think the value of Superhero Academy is, as I think the value of Bahala is, that's what it is. We're just a community of like-minded, like-hearted, like, um, like-sold people. And I don't think we have all the answers. I don't know what all, all the solutions to all the problems are. I've figured out some of the solutions for myself, and I've figured out some of the solutions for my community and what's best for me. But, but, and, I'm, and I'm seeing that that seems to be resonating with other people. And that is how I've built a movement. That's how I've literally reached hundreds of millions of people online. It's not by selling them something. It's not by pointing fingers and saying, you're wrong and what you're doing is the worst. It's not by shaming people into trying being, making them be vegans. None of that. None of that works, right? It's like preaching to the, preaching is not going to work. And, and it's just providing people the opportunity to part, participate and learn from themselves and hear the stories that emerge within them and, and, to, and to follow their bliss is, is what we need to do. Mm. And that's what I'm doing. Awesome, brother. That is a beautiful way to wrap up. And I love your uh, connecting of the dots between the work that you're doing, freedom culture, and our own commitment to radical self-expression. This really is the highest service um, for both ourselves and the planet to express ourselves. And uh, absolutely. Beautiful, man. I'm going to, I'm going to put all the links Um, just quickly though, man. um, So we've, I know that you've got some beautiful creations brewing 
Um, quick <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a million things that are happening. Obviously, we are hosting uh, other masterminds that are going on. Um, you know, the masterminds are invite only. They're, we do have applications, uh, although they are filling up very quickly. Um, you know, th- those are things that if you guys want to participate in, obviously, you know, I'll let Jiro do the talking as to his experience on that. And, and he opened with that. Um, I think it's pretty transformative. It's, it's amazing. If you're, if you figured it out, if you know what your superpowers are and you're looking for that tribe and community, then that's what really is for you. But if you're the type of person who's at the beginning of your journey, you don't know where you are, or you're looking to scale your journey. Like maybe you started down the path, you know, what you have to offer. You maybe have crafted elements of your story, but you're having a hard time reaching a bunch of people then Superior Academy helps people on all stages of their journey, from white belt to black belt. So whether you're trying to like, you don't even know what you want to do, to you're like a master and you're looking now to interact with other masters, well, we have created the different stages, both online, you know, available 24 hours a day to in-person, you know, in Costa Rica and, and all around the globe for those heroes to experience that hero's journey. And guess what? I'm on it too. Right? I am not the only teacher. We are multiple teachers. It's a multi-teacher platform, which is coming out possibly by the time this, this even podcast goes live, you know, we are, we are expanding Superhero Academy to be a multi-teacher, multi-course platform. So we're going to be teaching everything from how to, you know, invest in cryptocurrencies and what cryptocurrencies even mean, all the way to the best techniques on marketing and Facebook ads and, and, and how to grow an Instagram following to how to travel and be a digital nomad. Like we are, we're putting course after course out in a way that is super empowering. So if you're a teacher, if you're somebody who wants to contribute, if you want to be a student, you want to participate, if you recognize that being a teacher and a student is the same thing, then this is the community for you because this is what we're this is what we're creating. And so I don't sell it. I'll tell you the story. If this is something you're interested in, come and find us. If it's not, great. Um, you know, superheroacademy.net. I'm sure all the links are wherever you want to find us. Um, and uh, we answer every question. We're, we're a tribe. We're a community. We, we look to support uh, people throughout their journey. So um, anything I can do to participate or help out, um, you know, events that you want me to speak at, you want me to be on your podcast, whatever it is, I'm more than happy to help. I'm I'm living my highest excitement and I'm hoping to help you do the same. So um, yeah, thank you so much for the platform and thank you so much Not for, for hosting the show, man. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mark Angelo Coppola, the, uh, the global ambassador for freedom culture. Thank you, man, for walking the floor. <laughs> been a pleasure thank you thank you so much well i hope you enjoyed that conversation with mark angelo coppola one of my real intentions with flow state and this podcast is to cut through some of the bullshit and really provide more practical avenues for us to live our most meaningful life but also to make maximum contribution as entrepreneurs as consumers as customers as people that work in companies This uh, podcast is really evolving into something that's designed to serve the entrepreneurial freedom seeker, which Mark really embodies. And my intention is that by teaching people how to live in the flow of life, how to do the inner work necessary to develop higher states of consciousness, self-awareness, self-belief, clarity of vision, that really is the foundation for us to build movements, organizations, businesses, communities, families that really stand for something beautiful that really stand for the more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible. I really have a vision, a very clear vision of a world and flow, and it begins within. It begins within the hearts and minds of each of us. It begins with all of us doing the work necessary to deconstruct the conditioning that keeps us limited and in fear, and to consciously dream, vision, a new reality that we wish to live in, and then go forth and do the action, build the businesses, buy the products from the companies that stand for something greater, than fear and separation and destruction. 
do the thing that you're afraid of doing that represents you breaking out of your conditioned fear and actually living, creating this new life that we know is possible. So that's my vision, guys. Um, Flow State is a movement that helps purpose-driven entrepreneurs develop a mindset and techniques, tools, capabilities, community to develop in self-awareness, to build self-belief, and to really become the most empowered, free, independent uh, versions of ourselves. If you're an entrepreneur, uh, particularly if you're an entrepreneur working with technologies, if you're an entrepreneur working uh, with a particular sort of impact that you wish to drive, then please feel free to connect with us. But for now, if you're looking to get into flow, please go to flowstate.co forward slash get in flow for a very quick formula, very simple formula that will help you state shift on demand from distraction, from anxiety, from overwhelm, from fear, from states like anger or shame, and to actually have a four-step system that puts you into flow, that puts you into these peak states of creativity and performance and joy. If you want to get that, go to flowstate.co forward slash get in flow. Until next time, guys, I'm wishing you the most beautiful day, and please feel free to reach out and contact us. And uh, until next time, take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flow State Performance Podcast. Check us out at www.flowstateperformance.com for more inspiration to unleash your potential.